Good morning. It is Danger Dan coming at you from my home studios here in Tin Top, Texas. Just got back from Loretta Lynn's Ranch, home of the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival. If you haven't been paying attention to the last few shows I did with Tanya Lynn, fucking Pat and Anthony, Bacon and Dodge, you need to scroll back and hear more about this amazing event. Today's show is with <clears throat> Michael Lang. He was one of the invited builders for the Bling Cycles Invitational, and he is also a racer. Uh, I got to race with him at the Sons of Speed race in Daytona, and Michael was first brought to my attention a couple years ago. Um, I guess at Fuel Cleveland, he brought a couple of bikes, and our friend Rebecca introduced the two of us. This dude's been, he's forgotten more about building shoppers and race bikes than I'll ever know. And he's a beautiful old soul. The, the, the bike that he brought to Bill's event, he built when he was 15 years old. And, uh, man, the stories about it were fucking, it was good. We sat down, I believe it was Saturday morning or Friday morning. And, uh, man, I really enjoy this guy. Michael, thank you for taking time out of your day to sit down and talk with me. Let's get into it. All right, you know what we're doing. Before we get into the show, I got some dates for you. We just knocked out the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival. How many times have I said that in the past five days? <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, June 25th and 26th is Born Free in California. July 9th is Full Tilt Boogie in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Look what I do when I have the show notes in front of me. July 22nd is the Run to Raton, home of the Chop Wizard Invitational. I just got off the phone with J.P. Rodman. He is headed here right now, dude. Uh, August, oof, let me, let me pull up a fucking calendar here because we got a lot going on at Sturgis this year. A lot going on. So, Sturgis is going to be the second full, the first full week. So I guess it starts the 6th and the 7th. Uh, there's going to be, oh my gosh, come on, Pat. Come on, Pat. On Sunday. What, what's going on Sunday? Oh, yeah, the Michael Lichter show is going to be popping off Sunday night at 8 o'clock at the Buffalo Chip. Uh, Snoop Dogg is playing that night, so go check out the show before Snoop Dogg plays. And if you're not don't have tickets to Snoop Dogg, you can still check it out. It's free. It's free to go in all week long. Man, I, I tried to sit down with Michael this weekend to talk more about his show, but we do. We were fucking on one, so that didn't happen. Uh, but on Sunday, Saturday, how? What the fuck is going on? Saturday is. The Chopper's Magazine, FXR Bazaar, Chopper Show, brought to you by Harley-Davidson. They're in Deadwood at the Harley-Davidson Footprint. Going to be kind of like our show in Daytona this year. You do not want to fucking miss it. And then Monday and Tuesday, they're going to be doing flat track racing. That's right. Jeremy Pratt from Flat Out Friday and Mama Tried is going to be coming down and throwing a Flat Out Friday race. Monday the 8th and Tuesday the 9th. Everything from 
full-on fucking race bikes, vintage race bikes, and choppers in your street bikes. Whatever the fuck you bring, you are going to get a chance to take it out on the track at the Jack Pine Gypsies dirt track. Dude, I can't remember what size it was. I think it's, I don't think it's a half a mile. It's shorter than that. It's like a fourth quarter mile or eighth a mile. Or, I don't know. It's a sweet fucking track. You're going to love it. I think he's going to even have jumps and, dude, it's, it's going to be wild. You know Jeremy Pratt, dude? He's a fucking, he's a madman with a great vision and, uh, dude, you don't want to miss him out on that. So make sure you're there Sunday for the Choppers Magazine Chopper Show and then hang out and race for a couple of days. If you need a place to stay, check out Bulldog Creek Campground. Don't fuck it up because that's my fucking spot, dude. All right? August 26th and 27th is the Virginia City Roundup in Virginia City, Nevada. Brought to you by Choppers Magazine. Yeah, that's right. A fucking rodeo and a chopper show. There's also going to be FXRs there as well. They invited builders, chopper builders, and FXR builders. And they're going to display their steeds. You get to bring your own chopper. You got a chance at riding a bull or bulldogging, dude. Whatever the fuck you want to do, it's going to happen. Also, August 26th and 27th is Southern Throwdown at Yellow Rose Canyon out there in East Texas. It's, dude, you do not want to fuck around and miss that. Uh, this is also going to be the place where they're going to hold Born Free Texas, October 26th. So... Dude, come check the place out, Southern Throwdown Weekend, and then uh, come back for Born Free. And if you're in the UK, the Nomad Run. Oh, shit, I got to send in some gear, dude. Uh, the Nomad Run is happening uh, over there October, August 26th and 27th as well. Got a lot of shit going on, dude. September 10th is Party at the Pen in Boise, Idaho as well, brought to you by Chop Merchandise. Okay. Dude, you want to support this show? I know you do. You love hearing me talk shit, bringing on guests and sharing the good word of people all around this country and, you know, cueing you in on my crazy travels through South America. Well, I haven't made it through Central America, but the next mission is go down. I uh, fly out on the 7th to go back to Panama City and pick up the Pan Am, put the parts on it that I've broken. First off, I guess I got to get those fixed first before I go back. And then... Find a pirate or find a plane or find some way to get to Columbia so I don't have to ride through the Darien Gap because, well, I just, I'm not, I mean, I'm dangerous, but I'm not fucking retarded, dude. That's insane. Uh, and uh, anyways, dude, one way you can support this show is by going to mcshoptees.com, your t-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. That's right, dude. Every month we feature a different shop from around the country, even sometimes outside of the country, and do a one-off limited print t-shirt that is only available through MC Shop Tees. So you're supporting the show, and you're supporting local shops from around this great country. And um, this month's featured shop was Mad Pin Cycles out of Port Orange, Florida. Now, next month, I got I had some things happen. Some art's not coming through. We had, to, you know, dude, finding new art every single month is sometimes a challenge. So I got I got a surprise for you. Next month, we're going to do a Danger Dan America shirt. That's right. Uh, a shirt to commemorate my trip down the Pan America Highway on the Harley Davidson Pan America. And, dude, I mean, 
you're only, it's only going to be available through mcshoptees.com. So go to mcshoptees.com and sign up. Now, here's the deal. I, I don't, you know, you can sign up for just one month. I hate it if you did that because then I'd have to cancel your account. But whatever. Uh, you're not going to be able to buy this shirt any other way. And you have to the end of this month. So that's, that's less than a week. You've got to go to mcshoptees.com and sign up so that you can get a Danger Dan America shirt. Uh, I've got my friend from Minnesota, what is he from? Wisconsin doing the artwork, and uh, you're not going to want to miss it, dude, because once it's gone, it's fucking gone, dude. So, mcshoptees.com. Another way you can support this show, maybe you've got too many t-shirts, go to dangerdanstalkshop.com, and there is a Patreon support tab where you can donate five bucks a month that I will put in my gas tank and burn that shit up going down the road, man. That's just what I do. And uh, I've got people like Lowbrow Customs, dude. That's right. That They support me, and they're going to support you as well. They've given me a $100 gift card to give out every single month. And, dude, let's give away one right now. I haven't given away this month's $100 gift card to LowbrowCustoms.com, but I'll give it away right now. Oh my gosh, that is a low number. Veinte cuatro. Veinte cuatro. Max Baco. Max Baco. You just won a $100 gift card. And I do not have your address on here. I do not know where you're at. So Max Baco, <clears throat> email me, dan at dangerdancetalkshop.com, and I will get that prize pack out to you. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you to Lowbrock Customs for supporting the show. You know, I've had a bunch of rad people a part of this from the get-go. Knives Made by Nick is kind of the one that helped me dream up the little monthly giveaway format thanks to our, our Patreon supporters. And Knives Made by Nick makes a badass fucking knife. And if you don't have one on your hip, you are fucking up. We've also given away a race bike. That's right, I gave away a whole motorcycle. And I'm, and I'm dreaming up something big to give away at the end of this year, so... Every month that you donate five bucks, you, your name gets put into a bigger pot where we give away something big, real big at the end of the year. A couple years ago, we gave away a trip to Nepal thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. That's right. I went to Nepal and rode the, the Himalayas on a Royal Enfield, and it was fucking amazing. And we gave away a trip, and we are going back November 1st through the 14th, I think. It's the first trip in November, ride the stairway to heaven in, in, in fucking Nepal, dude. Go to MotorcycleSherpa.com for more information. You can scroll back, hear the podcast I did from the road out there, uh, talking to Bear, and there's videos on the Instagram, dude. Just I, Bear hit me up this week, and he said that the trip's a go, and the seats are fucking going fast. This is There's only a limited amount of people that we can take on this trip, so... Go sign up at MotorcycleSherpa.com to make that happen. Because um, that, yeah, that shit's going to sell out for sure. For sure. We're going back to Nepal. Um, dude, Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival. It's over now. It was a blast. I can't thank everybody enough, dude. It was, uh, dude, it was just an amazing time, just like every year. And it seems like, <clears throat> you know, Forbes magazine did an article about it. They just released that yesterday, and they interviewed Tanya Lynn like I did. And uh, 
one thing she said, which I, I will confirm, they're not trying to grow the event and get more people there every year. They're trying to, to raise the bar and the quality of the experience every year, and they are doing just that, man. The people there, I mean, it's such a great group of people, and I look forward every year to going back. I mean, I flew back from fucking Panama and grabbed my family and drove straight there because I believe in that show, and I know my family loves going there. My kids rode dirt bikes the whole fucking weekend. I broke every bike I brought, dude, and uh, and had so much fun doing it. And there was new faces this year, uh, you know, and then there was the ones that I get to see every year. It's an amazing event, and I hope that you will put that on your calendar for next year. Uh, but, dude, let's talk to Michael Lang. Here we go. Beautiful. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't make it out to the music last night. We went hard in the paint all day long. Oh. <laughs> and uh, once that sun went down, we cooked hot dogs and s'mores and awesome. settled in, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of food. I mean, <clears throat> where did I, well, well, uh, Bill Dodge, uh, the, the BC Motor Show, uh, he had a, a full, you know, spread of uh, barbecue for the Chicken builders. Chicken and pork yep. and that those vegetables. Yep, yep. And then yep. the moonshine drink. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I was just riding around. I, I, I kept on riding around and finding pockets of uh, guys that uh, I've known in the past or, you know, meeting new new guys, you know. Right. Um, you know, I mean, Vander and I have quickly becoming good friends. And, nice. And, uh, you know, it's just the, you know, the, the camaraderie and uh, the brotherhood that uh, is here is really something else and it's it's so wide the spectrum's so wide here you yeah. know like the it, the age the style of bikes i mean they're going to open up the dirt bike trails today yeah. i mean yeah they cover you know got the flat track racing the hill climb i saw the hill yesterday did you yeah was it look we're like? definitely doing it on the flatheads all right yeah <laughs> we are definitely doing it on the flat some kid climbed up and on a grom and oh I'm like, really? Yeah, done. So then I saw it, and I was like, I mean, and it's, it's gonna be challenging. I mean, it's not like we're just gonna go to the top easily, but I, I think we can get to the top, you know. Nice. So, then there's no back way down. That's the bigger problem. It's because my bike ain't got brakes on it. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in first gear. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's gonna be the only thing to do. Yeah. Let the motor be your brake. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to test run it tomorrow morning. Okay. Brian Helm, because he thinks it might rain Sunday. Oh. So tomorrow morning, we ought to go over there. You ought to come with me, and okay. we'll do some, you know, just check it out. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Misty? Uh, she's going to film the, or... Missy. Missy. She's going to do a full photo shoot of uh, the 46WR here. Uh, for Cycle Source magazine t uh, tomorrow, I think at ten. Nice. Uh, we're gonna meet and then we're gonna go over to the waterfall or yep. the water over there by the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful. Um, right there, everything the here lettuce. is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Have you been over here in this country before? Surely you've been through Tennessee. Well, but... I've been to Tennessee, but never really stopped. Okay. You know that's the thing about it, and even coming down, they routed me on all these back roads uh, from Paducah, Kentucky, uh, down here. And it's just, it's amazing. It's absolutely uh, beautiful, beautiful country. dude. Yeah. 
So yeah. speaking of magazines, you showed me a magazine, a picture of a magazine the yeah. other day. What year was that? That was nineteen seven March of nineteen seventy eight. Now that bike isn't that the bike in the show? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. That's so rad. Yeah, my brother in law actually did the photos for that, and uh, we uh, we had a good time doing that photo shoot. And actually, thinking about it now, that would have been shot in uh, 1977 because um, obviously by the time we got the photos in and by the time Easy Rider you know go Random. through their whole thing and and uh, you get it in the timeline for their magazine uh, it definitely uh, was in 1977 then so, nice yeah and uh, yeah I think that 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 bike tell everybody what the bike is Give it, me, the bike is a 1948 UL flathead uh, last year, the big inch flathead, and uh, it was a stock bike, pretty much stock bike when I got it. it and you uh, were how old? <clears throat> I was 15 years old. 15 years old when you got it. Yeah, yeah. It had a, it had a 49 uh, pan head front end on it, but uh, the rest of it was all 48, and uh, I promptly tore it apart, and. Uh, Took the frame to school and uh, started raking it. And my my shop teacher put uh, a screeching halt on that project. And I had to get a note from my mom to, in case uh, I killed oh, myself. Oh really? He wasn't condoning that at first. No, huh? no, 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 no. He uh, he said if you kill yourself, we don't want your mom suing the the school system. So I had to have a note from my mom. <laughs> That's, I mean, that seems fair. Yeah, right? it it does. Yeah. I mean, not 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 as a fifteen year old fifteen year old kid you know making frame modifications on a bike he's gonna ride on the street yeah, yeah. I remember I'm making my sissy bar you know cuz you know all we had back then uh, somebody I think yesterday they said uh, you know uh, who is your mentor who taught you to do this stuff and and I said the magazines that's what I was just thinking like where did you get the inspiration back in the early 70s to build a chopper like that it was magazines, magazines huh? yeah uh, chopper. So did you get like the cho first choppers magazines yeah, with yeah nice yeah i still have most of those and uh i'm not a well maybe i am a hoarder i don't know but <laughs> there, there i mean you still have the first bike you ever built so i'm leaning towards a, a little a, bit a, of a hoarder side you know the thing about it is you know when they're like these magazines that really something caught your eye you know they're they're near and dear to you, you absolutely know, hang on to them and and uh you know in the jammer handbooks and uh uh uh, what else? Oh, the Jammer uh, catalogs and, you know, especially... I mean, that was probably the first line of chopper parts, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before that, yeah. it was everything had to be custom-made because there yeah. wasn't anything you could buy. Yeah. And it was, I mean, there wasn't a lot. There was a few front ends available, uh, a couple gas tanks, a lot of foot pegs, sissy bars, seats. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. You know, there wasn't even a ton of exhaust. Um but uh you know what the guys are building today like at uh uh the bc motor show you know some of the exhaust systems on there are just like over the top awesome you know because Wild, right. the creativity uh that i see in the young builders today are is really is something else yeah i think that your bike it's it's the only flathead i can remember now we've been doing this is the fifth year so i imagine that there's been one that i just don't remember but it's definitely the like the only bike or the oldest built bike. You know, yeah. like every these most of these bikes that he brings out here, the builders, 
you know, it's all current builds. Yeah, yeah. So my, to see him reach out to you and have you, and yeah. then you bring that. Well, back he wasn't even cool. sure what I was going to put in there. He thought I was going to put this forty-six WR in there. I go, no, no, no. I, I brought my. You got a fucking chopper for you, chopper Bill. That I built f over fifty years ago, and. Uh, Isn't he, he a great dude? He, uh, man, I I got to, uh, the first uh, evening I met him. Uh, that would have been uh, two nights ago, Wednesday, right down Wednesday here. night, you know, and. Uh, Brian Helm uh, invited me up for supper and at, at Bill Dodge's and and uh, got to have supper with him and hang out and shoot the shit and you know guy is uh, guy is really uh, an awesome guy so I really enjoyed it and I you know enjoy what he's doing here you know it uh, it brings uh, a lot of the builders together get to see all these new uh, brilliant ideas and and builds and. You know, it's really and spend time like getting to know the people too. Exactly, you know? That's exactly. What's I really got to, cool. you know, even last night. You know, uh, I was hanging out with uh, some people I'd never met before, and uh, you know, by the time the evening was over, you know, it seemed like we were old friends. That's awesome. And uh, you know, I hate to say it, I'm, I was hanging out last night with this guy that I can't remember his name, uh, but he he said. He goes, brother, he says, it's like we, you know, we should have known each other for a long, long time. I just, and I said, you know what, it, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, just because we haven't up to this point, uh, uh, moving forward, uh, that's something to be. Uh, yeah, there's still a long uh, time in front of us. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, and that's what's beautiful about this event is there's not many people I know that have come here and didn't come back the next year. You know, yeah, because of the facilities, and, and mainly because of the people that you yeah. meet. If you, if not meet, that you don't get to see that often. You know, well, I, I love being around people. You know, and it, um, and to be around people like-minded. Yeah, you know, they have the same passions and the the same ideals. Uh, that's what makes it even more special. Yeah. So when you built this first bike, what? What did you do after that? Did you take it to a local show? Did you, you know, what was what was the goal behind it? How did you show that, your art creation to the world? And what did the shop teacher think when you were finally done? You know, I don't know what the shop teacher thought. Uh, it was a bike that I rode to high school and back. I was the only one that rode a Harley Chopper to, to high school. I Where, in what high school was this? This was uh, in New Berlin, Wisconsin, uh, Eisenhower High School. It was relatively a, a new high school. It was, had awesome awesome shop you know full full auto shop full mechanical drawing and blueprint reading. those are all subjects that I excelled in you know the other academics like English and social studies yeah I didn't do very good didn't in all quite that get stuff. your attention did yeah they? it just seemed like a waste of time and and but yeah I excelled in in shop class and uh, you know <clears throat> and you know there wasn't a lot of shows back then you know there there was a once a year, uh, it was a, a car, uh, truck, and van show with motorcycles. Mm -hmm. And I think the first year I showed that bike was 1977. Um, uh, but prior to that, you know, uh, for the three, four years earlier than that, there, there really wasn't anything. We just, you know, we just bar hopped and hung out with our buddies and so you and had some other friends that had built choppers oh yeah 
Yeah, yeah a buddy of mine built a 52K model chopper. Uh, that's still around. Uh, really? Yep, still a survivor, all original, uh, as he built it. And uh, he's actually the one that helped uh, paint um, my bike. Okay. Yeah, we did it in his mom's basement. And uh, it was... What a cool mom. Ah, she was pretty crazy, though. She, well, to let some kids be painting in the basement, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we, we would shoot... Uh, we would shoot 45 automatic weapons in the basement. Yeah. You know, there, was, there, was this, there was this old, old commercial for Master Lock where they would have a Master Lock hanging on a, a piece of wood and uh, somebody would shoot a 30-odd six at it and, uh, you know, the Master Lock still wouldn't open. Mm -hmm. And we were doing that in his basement. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were shooting black powder guns in the basement. Uh, there was always arsenals going on uh, at the early parties and stuff like that. You know, we'd be blowing up bombs and just crazy shit, you know. Uh, oh, that's awesome. It, uh, there was a big group of us, too, you know. Uh, we actually did a, a promo for a local uh, radio station. Uh, WZMF in Milwaukee. It was uh, it was like the hard hard rock uh, station back then, and uh, they wanted to do a new billboard promotion, um, kind of along the lines of the James Gang rides again, and uh, so we all rode up to the uh, radio station uh, in Menominee Falls. And, you know, they said they'd have beer there for us. And so we... That was uh, how they lured you up there? Yeah, yeah. Come on up, we'll have beer. Yeah, but, you know, there was probably 30, 35 bikes. No and, shit. And, and we, uh, we, we put them in uh, kind of like how you rack up a, uh, a set of uh, pool balls, you know, in the rack. You know, we we're, were in a triangle. And... My uh, 48 UL flathead that's here at the BC Motor Show uh, <clears throat> is uh, that was in the very front, and my buddy with the 52K model chopper, he was right next to me. But we had the DJs sitting on our choppers, and all the owners of the bikes, we were all in the back, you know, uh, sitting on each other's shoulders and shit like that. And, Damn, do you still have that picture? Yeah, I do. It's on my phone. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, that's cool. <clears throat> and that went on a billboard in your local town? Yeah. Yeah, oh, and, and it was uh, WZMF Rides Again. And, um, you know, there was Bob Reitman, and and I can't think of the one of the other guy's name, but uh, Bob Reitman was very, very well-known uh, DJ figure in the radio industry in the 70s. And... Uh, you know, it was just a good time, and and you know, we started getting more and more drunk and getting more and more wild. My, my, my one of my buddies, uh, Big Charlie, he found a dead bird on the, on the on the ground, and you know, he he was gonna do the Ozzy Osbourne thing, you know, and rip its head off. Yeah, well, he bet it off. You know, Charlie, he says, here, watch this, and he he puts the bird's head in his mouth and chomps it off and spits it out, and you know, and then we were kind of getting rowdy. We we're pounding on the door. Uh, you know, because they had all the doors locked in the in the radio Radio. station, and 
like we want more beer and you know like go go away go away yeah we already got the photo just <laughs> yeah, leave now yeah, yeah. It, and that was it i mean you know unfortunately you know back then it was like we were just like some rebels that wanted uh you know drink beer and, and raise a little hell and uh, have a good time and and uh, we did a lot of bluegrass and you know last night uh there was i don't know if it's a tribute band but uh uh war hippies yeah uh, played last night and uh you know they did a lot of charlie daniels stuff and i'll tell you i mean you know i got i got to see charlie daniels a number of times at uh, uh at Summerfest in milwaukee nice world's largest music festival and um, that's still going on yet today you know started going to that in the early early 70s and it was just uh I don't know. It was all, all just like-minded people getting together, and that's what's so cool about. Now, you know, War Hippies was that like a bluegrass band playing last night? No, I would say they were. Man, they were almost. They did a lot of Charlie Daniels band, but you know there was a, a fiddle player and and uh, guitar players, and he was also good in a keyboard. And but you know, I mean, it was good. They did a tribute to. Uh, oh, my memory. <clears throat> The guy that died here last year, uh, in the Wayne. Flood. Wayne, yeah, they did a tribute. Uh, you got so you got to see the art that Jason did for him. Yep, got to see what Jason did, and and then uh, the guy uh, from War Hippies uh, did Amazing Grace on his on his fiddle, and it was it was very a uh, very moving moment last night. Wow, you know, man. Yeah, um, and some of the guys of War Hippies are are <coughs> Iraq. I don't know. I don't think any of them are Vietnam vets. Uh, they were, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, veterans of the Iraq War, okay. and uh, you know, talked about their struggles. You know, after coming back from war, and you know, there's some good things that happen out here on that stage. You know, the musicians like really connecting with the crowd yeah. and like sharing pretty magical moments. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote a song. Uh, uh, that he that they played last night and, and they brought uh, tears to a lot of people's eyes you know wow it um, you know it's just the music I, I had no idea I'm a I'm a Tennessee motorcycle and uh, music revival virgin here this weekend and and uh, I'll certainly be coming back right uh, in between the grounds the music the people uh, the atmosphere uh, the motorcycles. Yeah, we hadn't even done any racing yet either. No, no. It. Uh, I, I. I. I rode the 46 WR into the onto the race not onto the racetrack, but in there and was talking to a few people about you know getting out there uh, maybe tomorrow and and uh, with the brakeless. And he goes, well, as long as you you know let a couple of the guys know during practice that you're going to be going out and uh, you don't have brakes. And they know that, so uh, they're not going to be jamming on the brakes uh, in the corner in front of you. Yeah, we'll go out there. But together. you know, the thing about it is, uh, you know, they'll be behind me, so I, uh, I'm not worried <laughs> about that. <laughs> you know? So speaking of racing, uh, you know, I met you. I guess it was last year at Fuel Cleveland, right? Yeah. And then, and then, sure enough, you're out at the racetrack at the Sons of Speed race in Daytona. Yep. So you've been racing for a while, like yeah. You went, you so you built this chopper. Were you racing back then when you built the chopper in high school? Well, I, I was racing uh, like dirt bikes and stuff like that. Okay, so you were riding dirt bikes. Yeah, and um, 
and again, just at an amateur level. Uh, but then uh, by 1980, uh, I started, I got my first WR and, uh, you know, I started doing flat track. Um, no shit, you got a WR in 1980. Now, I mean, For $1,300. That, that, that was considered a vintage bike in 80, right? Yeah. So you were racing vintage classes. Yeah. I was just drawn to vintage motorcycles right from the get-go. Yeah. I was never interested in a new motorcycle uh, with the new, uh, well, I wouldn't say Harley-Davidson was uh, top-of-the-line technology. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean tradition. Let's, let's just face it. It's heritage. You know, heritage. It's everything you know. else, really. Yeah. They're not yeah. selling, they're not building the baddest bikes, you know. Like yeah, well, well, I tell you, when I went into Harley dealerships back in the, in the 70s, you know, there was an Electroglide, a Sportster, maybe a Superglide, and a couple uh, of the Aramaki dirt bikes. Yeah. And that was it. And they had, uh, uh, you know, a couple of four packs of oil, you know, on a shelf and, and maybe some gloves and a couple Cycle Champ uh, uh, leather jackets. And that was your Harley dealer. Yeah. You know, it's not like... It's come a are. long way. Yeah, it's yeah. It's come no, a know. long yeah, way. They're... they're they're more or less boutiques now, and uh, you know it's all good. You know. So now, were you? Did you build the motor in that UL, or was it? No, I built. Well, the the first time. I mean, the very first time, what I did was uh, when I got the bike, uh, it wasn't running, uh, but it was a fresh motor to, from what I remember, and what I did is I took it all apart, and chrome things, and painted. The you chrome the motor the first time you built it. Uh, well, yeah, like the cam cover and the valve covers. No and, shit. And, uh, you know, the typical man intake manifold, you know, the things that we do when we, we build motors and, you know, painted the cylinders black and painted the crankcases black because I, I liked that look back then. Yeah. You know, again, you know, there is a, a, a picture, and I have it on my phone, of a 80-inch flathead <clears throat> that was in a jammer's handbook and to this day, it's one of my very, very favorite flathead pictures, um, just because of the exhaust and just, you know, <clears throat> since I've been down here, uh, you know, with riding the flathead around the chopper, <clears throat> there's been people coming up and like looking at it. And, and you know, I mean, granted, not everybody uh, here at the show is into vintage motorcycles so correct <clears throat> they see these this engine with these massive aluminum finned heads and um, they're like man i can't believe how big those those fins are and, and how big the heads are and and i think they think it's a harley 45 and uh, i explained to him i said no they they made a big inch flathead and this is this particular one is the very last year so you know it's it's educational both for myself and others. You know, I love to share what I've learned from other mentors uh, that have come my way over the, over the years. I, you know, the guy that I bought that bike from, uh, he sold it to my mom because I was only 15. <clears throat> I rode my mini bike uh, there. Uh, you know, I, I rode my mini bike past his, his shop. Uh, and then one day I got up enough nerve to pull in there and and see what he was all about. And he was a drag racer, you know, and, and today I have his drag bike. No uh, shit. Yeah. 
1969 uh, Yetman framed uh, 90 inch Sportster and uh, <laughs> it uh, back with a four inch hard Avon slick with no wheelie bars back in 1970 he was running uh, 970s at 141 miles an hour holy shit yeah yeah it's a it's it's a cool bike i got his original leathers and his helmet and and uh i just <clears throat> on my way down to uh uh sons of speed uh daytona uh in march i stopped at uh dozers and, and brandy's uh place to help them out with their 1916 board tracker and and I get there and there's like the I don't know maybe 15 adults you know drinking moonshine and a half a dozen kids running around and half a dozen dogs running around and and uh, we're just having and they start bringing food out and everything and uh, and Brandy comes up to me and she goes John is here I go John who and she goes John Hyde. And uh, that's where my original 48 UL flathead came from back in the early 70s. That and, is wild. And, that's uh, got goosebumps. Yeah, uh, because he lives in Lexington, and they're just, uh, you know, maybe 20 miles away. And so uh, she called up uh, John's uh, son, Michael, which goes by the name of Kaiser. And um, uh, she goes, is there any chance you can bring your dad over here? Mike Lang's going to be here. And so I got to I got to spend time all all evening reminiscing with my my very very first mentor. Yeah. Uh, and and where my my chopper came from. And I remember when I got that bike done the very very first year. You know I'm a six now I'm 16 years old and um, the the bike is done but I can't get it started. And uh, so we we pull. He lived about a mile and a half away, and we pulled it with a chain. Uh, hooked a chain to the front fork, extended Harley Springer, and uh, we tow it over to John's house. And he said, well, you just had the timing off a little bit. So he goes, let me take it down the road and see how it runs. And, you know, this is foot clutch, jockey shift, and with an 18-over Springer. And uh, he comes back, and the first, he said, you couldn't even turn around in the road. He goes, he comes back and he goes, what a fucking piece of shit this is. <laughs> and and uh, uh, it ran good. It just, it, it wasn't, you know, handling wise. It's not, uh, yeah. you, you know, you don't do figure eights with it. And uh, unless you're in a big, huge parking lot. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then he would pick me up. Well, prior to that, when I, you know, was hanging out at the shop when I was 13, uh, he would, he would pick me up Sunday mornings and take me to Union Grove, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Great Lakes Dragway, and uh, we would test and tune that that drag bike that I have today. And uh, John was never well. I remember one night it was it was a warm summer night, and all the doors in the shop were open, and you know we're working on the drag bike, and <clears throat> all of a sudden he stops and he looks at me and he goes, "Why aren't you out chasing girls?" And I said, because I want to learn this. And uh, he didn't say a word to me. He just looked down and went back to work and never, never said, you know, uh, you know, you're getting in the way or I don't have time. You know, he just, he took me under his wing. You That's know? awesome. 
and I do that today. I do that today. You're with passing it guys. on now. Yep, absolutely, and it's very, very rewarding. Uh, we're going to be starting a, a friend of mine, Carlos, and and his dad, Bill. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a once a well, we're going to start out once a month and see where it goes. Uh, but like on a Tuesday night, we're going to uh, open up the shop and have these younger guys come in and and not that we know it all but we want to pass on some of the things that we've learned over the years that's beautiful and, yeah and and again it's just all like-minded people and, and the camaraderie that uh we share with each other that uh you know we want to learn this stuff you know i'm still learning today that's uh the day i think i know it all i'm i'm in trouble uh-huh that's yeah. exactly right yeah yeah so it's it's been good so far, you know. Yeah. So the racing. So how did that, how did that, you got your first WR? Yeah. And you built a steel shoe or? No, I never did like steel shoes. Really? Yeah. No, I never used one. I have used them. I don't like them. Uh, I, uh, I actually, there are people that comment that uh, uh, I, I, I ride a dirt, uh, you know, oval dirt track. Uh, Flat track style uh, with my foot up on the peg. Yeah. I, I rarely put my foot down. Um, I I don't. Well, unless you know when you're on a clay track, um, you know you're in a, a good groove. You know you're. The whole idea is to get around that corner as quick as possible, and so I'm hanging off the side of the bike more road race style, and uh, and it works for me. Yeah. You know I get around the track very very well. I'm not a big cushion track guy. Uh, it, uh, I, I'm warming up to it, but I just, uh, cause I think really, that's what we're going to have today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a dust track. <laughs> 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 and, um, the other thing about it is, uh, one of the reasons I don't like, I don't mind cushion tracks with my WR, uh, but you know, a lot of my racing, um, I, I should say the majority of it has been on board track motorcycles and those. Those tires are only two inches wide. Yeah, and it's a little harder to get those things sideways, especially with uh, narrower drop uh, handlebars. When they're pointing down at the ground, uh, it's just it's weird. Yeah. Well, you that's know? more of an aerodynamic setup. You yeah. Know, like, well, they yeah. were running board tracks, board tracks, and dirt tracks where they weren't getting them sideways. Yeah. When did you? ride your first board track i mean see, I, I thought that was something recent that was brought back uh no i've been racing board track for 45 years no shit yeah i got my first uh board track motorcycle in 1977 and um 70 77 was a good year for you yeah well you know i mean uh we were making good money and and uh what were you doing for work at this point I was a machinist. Okay. You know, uh, worked in a factory. Um, I'm, I'm blessed that uh, God's given me some talents and uh, it just seemed to come natural to me. Uh, I didn't have to really try hard and uh, it was one of those things where, like I was saying earlier, in school I didn't excel in the academics, but I excelled in, in the hands-on hands-on and mathematics yep well we got by through uh, yeah 
a little bit with mathematics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes it's trial. I mean, and the machinist is that's there's a lot of math involved. Yeah, there there is there is, but I I don't get into trigonometry that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. That gets a little beyond me, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it was all good, you know, and I, I started making parts, you know, I'd go to go to work and uh, use their machines to uh, make fab parts for my first uh, board track motorcycle and and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And then, you know, we were trying to I remember it. I had this bike running before my first board tracker was a 1924 uh, FHAC factory twin cam works. Uh, the the real deal uh, uh, board tracker and I got that out of Louisiana uh, from George Skeets and <clears throat> those you know these bikes are direct drive uh, no clutch no transmission no brakes and <coughs> you know we took it out to my buddy's place because we were trying to get it running and we finally fired it up. Uh, down the alley, we lived in Milwaukee at the time, okay. you know, and you got city blocks and everything. And, and my, a couple of my buddies, we the thing fired up, and I didn't realize I did. I had the kill button uh, set up wrong, and uh, so I'm going around the blocks and uh, on this on this fast factory <laughs> twin cam with no clutch, no brakes. And um, oh my god! And the kill switch doesn't work. And the kill switch doesn't work, and I'm making wide turns and and barely missing cars that are parked out on the street in front of people's houses. And but man, I'm just lit up. You know, I'm just like this fucking thing runs. Yeah, I gotta and, find a place to open it up. Right? Now. Yeah. And so you know, I ended up going through one red light because I couldn't stop. And uh, and then and then they can't find me. You know, my buddies that push started me, and my wife's on her bicycle. And uh, she's racing around, and she goes, "Hey, you see a guy on a green bike go by?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, you went flying by the other way, you know." And uh, you know, so finally it came to a stop, and you know, nobody got hurt, and it was all good. But uh, that was my first experience. And then uh, after that, we uh, we were getting ready to go to Davenport, Iowa, to race, and um, we took it out to my buddy's place uh, out in Eagle, the one that's got the 52K model uh, <clears throat> chopper, and. Uh, uh, my wife and, and his, his wife were in a, a 69 Chevelle and, you know, they had a rope tied to the bumper and they pole started me. And um, it fired up. I, we were trying to get it running all day and it was a hot summer day and so I, I didn't have my leather jacket on or my helmet on. We just figured it was going to be another uh, failed attempt of getting this thing running. Well, it fired up, you know, and I go zipping along you know, let go of the rope and go around the car and and I'm out on this country road and he's, <clears throat> I, he built a stroker panhead so the thing was really fast. So he was following me and um, we got up to about 110 miles an hour and he said, I pulled away like he was sitting still, you know, and uh, it was the weirdest feeling. It was like if you've ever experience a near-death experience you know I, I'm going really fast and all of a sudden something whips me in the back and and you know it was like over my shoulder I look and I see this black image and I didn't realize it was the tire had come off the rim 
that whipped me in the back. And I tell this story very seldom because it's, it's something that people may or may not be able to relate to, but maybe it was the way I was living my life too back then. But I, when I saw that black image like moving towards me, it was like the devil was trying to grab for me. And uh, so, you know, I'm on this little two inch wide steel rim the rear tire, the rear wheel's locked up because the tire now is wrapped around the sprocket and jammed between the frame. And <clears throat> what seems to be, I can't steer because I'm on this, just this steel rim in the back. And um, I, I, I try to steer and it gets really squirrely. So I just kind of let the bike go where it needs to go. And what seemed to be about maybe 70 miles an hour uh, as I'm slowing down, I start dragging my feet uh, to scrub off speed, and and um, and I end up crossing all the lanes of traffic, and end up on the opposite shoulder, and <clears throat> with that clincher rim, it was like a conveyor, and it picked up all the gravel and it dumped it down my my pants in the back, yeah. and and uh, I ended up in the ditch. The opposite side of the road ditch that I was and uh, I ended up stopping right next to this bush that had red berries on it and my buddy on the panhead he pulls up he goes like nice ride man and uh, <clears throat> and he saw the red berries he thought it was blood and uh, so he goes no and, and, and as soon as I stopped uh, in the ditch there was a, a car coming the other way no and shit. I don't know to this day if I would have ever been able to make any uh, evasive move to get out of the way with with just riding on a steel rim. No, it uh, so yeah, all the stars were aligned that day, and uh, you know, uh, learned a little more that day, and, and figured things out, and uh, and then you know, I started racing on a regular basis. Then with that thing, I raced at every, every any any place and every place I could go, you know. Um, and there wasn't a lot of places that would let us go out. Yeah, no. You know. There still isn't. No, no. But I mean, it used to be once a year at Davenport, Iowa. That oh, was the once a year, you know, where you'd see board track motorcycles race. We used to fill the stands. Um, it was it was awesome for so many years, and uh, and now you, almost every weekend you can find a a place that's having vintage flat track racing and. Uh, and the tank shift class has just taken off like wildfire. All these, it's awesome. All these young guys are building Harley 45s. I mean, for somebody looking for 45 parts nowadays, it's kind of hard, but yeah, you know, it, it is. They're, they're getting scarce and pricey. But I tell you, it is so cool uh, to see these young guys come in and, and, and get the fever. Yeah. I got it. You got it. I, I know. I, it. I saw you in your I eyes down at uh, Sons of Speed uh, in March. It's it's awesome, and I just love it. You know, and to do it with all, I mean, I raced one track up in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, and I was on my 50WR, and they didn't have a class for me, so they put me with the 600 road taxes. And and I got I just got smoked and I got sprayed with rocks and gravel and it, it I got that's my brutal ass yeah but you know again I'm the only one with a tank shift bike yeah you know and I didn't have brakes and then they well no they, the road taxes I think probably didn't have brakes either 
Uh, yeah, they're not trying to slow those things down. No, no. That's a cool bike, too. I always like Rotaxes. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, it started out slow, but, you know, now it's, it's like a full head of steam where, you know, uh, you know I came down to uh, the, the, the Tennessee Revival here and hopefully get a little bit of racing in or at least going around the track on the WR. Uh, from here, then I go to the Billy Lane Sons of Speed for four days. Nice. So you already got the bikes for that here? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice. Got trailer filled with bikes, and uh, and then uh, after Billy Lane's, then I I slowly uh, wind my way up to Indiana and go to the Gas City AMCA meet, yeah. swap meet, and and race up there. Nice. So they got a track up there. I didn't. Yeah. Realize it's. That. Uh, I'm not sure how big it is. If it's a three eighths mile. Uh, My buddy three, Oliver's gonna be up there racing. Yeah, yeah. Eric Bass and Jenny Bass and and all my other buddies uh, uh, gonna be racing up there and, and just having a good time. You know, it's, it's gonna be a first time for me to go to Gas City, but uh, oh, uh, Thelma, Bob, and Thelma, they'll be up there. And so it's it's a lot of. Uh, a lot of guys that'll that'll show up and you know renew uh, friendships. Well, then one of the cool things about racing the finished bikes is you know the pits, man, and just everybody I've meet that's involved and is you know putting the work that it takes to keep these old bikes not just running but at a racing level. Yeah, dude, they I mean it's all good people and everybody's willing to help each other. I mean I find that in all racing really. It's one yeah. of the, my favorite things about racing is, is it is competitive. Everybody's trying to win, but at the same time, nobody's trying to win because your bike can't run. You know, they want everybody on the track. Well, I'll tell you, down at uh, Billy Lane Sons of Speed down in uh, in March, um, I had a little issue with my 50WR, and uh, for safety reasons, I decided I wasn't going to run it. Mm -hmm. I was a little bummed, but then I saw uh, Fast Freddy. Um, he had a problem with one of his JD bikes, board trackers, and he was pretty bummed about it that uh, one one of his bikes broke, and this one won't run for whatever reason. And I said, well, you know, does it have compression? Does it have gas? <clears throat> does it have spark? You know, uh, let's figure this thing out. And so went over there, and you know, everybody rallied. Everybody's helping, working on this bike and everything, and. And there was a guy there watching us, and he said, this is unbelievable. He said, you're competitors, but you're helping each other. He says, I'm into modern drag racing, and when we're in the pits, he says, sometimes you don't even get a, a hello from your competitor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't know Much what kind of racing they do, because all the racing I've ever done, people have been more than willing to, to help. Yeah, well, the and vintage even, is really, you know. Yeah. We're here for the fun of it. You know, I mean, we're serious about it. And I tell you, when I see that green flag, you know, I'm racing. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, people say, oh, it's an exhibition. I don't know. <laughs> I've never considered it. Not when I'm on the starting line. No, man. hell no. <laughs> That's hell the thing, no. yeah, I always try and take it easy and not, try not to be too competitive. But once you line up on that line, I'm yeah, something else is taking over. And for a while there, I was, uh, I told myself, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take it easy out there. I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm going to go out and have fun, but I'm not going to run it to the limit, you know. And and I found that not not possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a cool opportunity to to own and race and 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 help others work. I get a lot of race engines. I build a lot of race engines for people. Um, you know. So do you have your, a personal shop now? Yes. That you do yeah, I've been customer so, work? Yeah, I've been self-employed for over 30 years, and I, I did it uh, basically full-time along with a full-time job for 14 years prior to that. So I've been, uh, I've been doing stuff for other people for 45 years. No there. shit. And... Um, you know, it just, it was always, you know, I mean, my buddies would always call me up and they go, hey, you know, I need my carburetor touched, you know, and I'd go over there and because. Just put again, the magic finger on it. Yeah. And work. Well, I mean, you know, there's a certain way to set up a linker carburetor and, and I'd walk them through it too. You know, uh, I, I, I did that uh, just shortly before I came down here. Um, a buddy of mine's got a 39 uh, ULH. And, um, you know, he, he just was telling me on the phone that it's not running right and he's having a hard time getting it started and stuff like that. And I said, don't touch anything. I said, until I get there, you know, because I want to see what, what's going on. And, and so uh, I, uh, I uh, find, uh, you know, just start from ground zero, you know, on the carburetor. And... Uh, walked them through the whole process so if if at some point it ever needs readjustment he's got a good base to start with yeah that's good you know? and and that's what i love to do you know i mean uh, to well, help others so we do an event in texas called the fandango yeah got a sweet racetrack and old horse horse racing fairground uh and one thing they started doing two last year maybe the year before that was having like you know I hate to call it a seminar, but a seminar type meeting yeah. among the bike shows and giving an opportunity for people like yourself to just like, you know, take in 30 minutes to an hour and explain, you know, one year was they did linker, they do multiple things each, each day, uh, whether it's Doug Wathke, round the world Doug, talking about his travels or somebody explaining their knowledge of a linker. Yeah. And I just, I just love that, you yeah. know, I'd love to see maybe you come down to Texas and Come to the fan. They've been wanting. They've been wanting right from the get-go. The very first year, he approached me and he's like, "We want you down there," you know. And yeah. it's just like, man, I mean, there's only so many events you can do. I know. I mean, I, know. I, I mean, you know, maybe if I get some sponsorship, you know, <laughs> you know pay for diesel fuel nowadays. Uh, but you know, one year at uh, Davenport, you know, everybody's like poo-pooing, uh, you know, clincher tires. I said, there's nothing wrong with clincher tires. Uh, I mean, they ran them back in the 20s, teens and 20s, and they were running up over 100 miles an hour with them, mm -hmm. you know. And everybody's like, well, I, I, you know, I put my tire on and I went to the gas station and filled it up. And on the way, you know, halfway home, it, it, it blew up in the backseat of my truck. And uh, I, I can hardly hear now. And I said, well, you know, so I decided I was going to have like a seminar uh, at my motorhome at Davenport and talk about clincher tires and, and how to put them on and uh, and air pressure. 
And, you know, the only thing that holds a clincher tire onto the rim is air pressure. And I asked one guy, uh, I, I said, well, what, what kind of, because he rolled his tire off on the racetrack. Luckily, he didn't crash, but he rolled it right off the, the rim. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, well, what kind of air pressure are you running? And he goes, well, 32. And I said, no. I said, minimum, minimum is 55 PSI. Really? I run 70. I run wow. 70. They used to run 90 PSI in their tires back in the day. And uh, so, and I, I said, well, you know, okay, let's, let's start from the beginning. How do you put your tire and tube on the rim? Mm -hmm. And they go, well, we put the first bead on and then we stuff the tube in there, you know, like a regular safety yeah, bead. Like I've done. And, <clears throat> and then the other one. I go, nope, that's your problem. That's another one of your problems. I said, clincher tires are meant to be put on both beads at the same time. So you blow up the, tire, you know, the inner tube, just like, a, like a, an O-ring, just enough to hold its shape. Yeah. You put it in the tire, you pinch the, the two beads together, and you put both beads on the rim at the same time and you work your tire iron around doing it that way because what happens is is you the beads of a clincher tire uh, actually wrap around the inner tube 100 percent and what happens is those flaps uh, that are on the rim uh, they'll actually pinch your tube and and you'll have a blowout every time so you know so getting that tube in the right place ahead of time yep is the key yeah and 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 uh and walking it around you know taking it easy getting it making sure that that tube isn't coming out and keep pushing it back in and letting a little bit of air out as you're getting more on the rim because now things are getting tighter so now that kind of limpo ring is now getting they have some pressure in it so yeah and and again this isn't anything that i've learned it was it was things that were passed down from the old timers to me yeah you know and and that's what i try to do today is is pass on that knowledge uh otherwise it'll be forgotten in any culture in any culture Absolutely. of mankind i mean uh the elders you know pass down what they've learned you know uh to keep that culture moving yeah, I mean, it's not, it's the knowledge, it's the hard parts, you know, it's, it's yeah. everything to keep the yeah. culture alive, you yep. know? Yeah, you know, and there, there was a lot of guys fighting uh, even on JDs, you know, uh, you know, you, on a JD motor, if um, you're running a generator, if it's an electric model, uh, your number one cylinder that you time it on is your front cylinder. But that same motor, if you're running a Bosch ZEV Magneto, uh, the number one cylinder that you time on is the rear cylinder, and not many people know that. And uh, not many people have JDs either. Well, no, but you know. But again, my dear friend Gene Barron from that's Long a, Island. That's very important information. Yeah, though. he he passed that on to me, and and uh, you know it. Why Harley did that, I have no idea, but uh, it. We don't even need to start the why did Harley do that questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, it's cool that they're here, you know, 
supporting this event, though. Uh, you know. Oh, absolutely. As much as I talk shit about them, you know, like this is this event. Well, is, they're coming out. They're coming out with some some new bikes, uh, a whole new engine. Yeah. What know? do you think about the uh, the water cooled platform? Well, you know, I'll be honest. I haven't looked at it closely. Yeah. Uh, but you know, a number of my friends have Pan Ams, and uh, they're loving them. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know you got one, yeah. and you're riding the shit out of it. Uh, but you know, there's there's new bikes coming down the pipeline, and and uh, you know, I got a couple of years ago, I, I got to. Uh, down at the Harley Museum, they had uh, demo rides for the Livewire. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Bill Redenzel called me up, and he goes, "Hey, it, you know, there's no line. He goes, get down here. Get down so here. we just blew down there, and uh, it was amazing. It was, it, it's, it's a whole different thing. I mean, it, it was like a sewing machine where you just, uh, you know, you." It's like a rheostat throttle where, you know, just the more you twist it, the faster you go. And the weird thing about it, too, is I didn't, I had it in sport mode and uh, to where I really never even used the brakes. You know, as you throttle up, you go faster, you throttle down, and the, the electric motor, whatever, how it works, uh, slows you down as well. But, uh, you know, we left the parking lot and... You know, I had to think about. Well, we came up to a red light, and it's like, okay, I. Do I got to put it in neutral? I don't have to put it. I don't have to pull in a clutch. I don't have to downshift. I don't. It's you. You had to think about it a little bit, and then I laid back. You know, because they they take you out in a group and. Oh yeah, you let them get ahead a little bit. Oh yeah, and I I nail. I got up to around 80 miles an hour in a short, a short amount of time, and it. But for me, it would be a novelty. Yeah, it's not me, but uh, I'd be. I'd it's probably interesting be more of a... to see that develop, though. It, yeah, it, you it know, is. I, I actually uh, a friend of mine. Um, uh, unfortunately, he passed away at COVID, and I was getting rid of some of his bikes for his his wife, and one of them was uh, a Yamaha Tenere Sport Adventure Touring, and I rode that thing around, and I really it was actually a, a really a nice bike. I was thinking about buying it myself, but it's like, I don't need more. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, but a Pan Am, I think, would be something that uh, I'd enjoy as well, too, you know. I like it all, man. I like it all. And speaking of, my calling is happening. It's all time right. to go ride dirt bikes. Dude. All right, man. Hey, let's uh, let's hit the hill tomorrow. Tomorrow right. morning, we'll do that, and then we'll go straight tomorrow to the morning, track. I thought that was Sunday morning. Well, we're... Oh, okay. It is. The, the competition is on there. Yeah, we got to go check it out. Uh, <laughs> hey, thank right, you. Man. Hey, let's do this again in the future. I want right. to come by and see the shop and really sit down again. Anytime, man. Anytime. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. Go to MCShopTees.com so you don't miss out on the Danger Dan America shirt. That's right, the Danger Dan America. Oh, man. I can't wait to see what the art looks like. I haven't even seen it yet, but I know it's going to be rad. This is one of my favorite artists that I've used over the years with MC Shop Tees. He's done shirts like, uh, what has he done? He did the, uh, the Bill Dodd shirt. That's a fucking good one. I can't think of anything else he's done. Maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe that's it. No, he's done something else. 
Anyways, Kelvis Art is the guy doing the artwork. And uh, I put him on the spot, dude. He's got like a week to get the shit done. And uh, I know he'll come through for me because he always does. Even though he's got a bunch of art to do for Born Free, you know. He said, I got you, Danger. Danger Dan America, mcshoptees.com. Go sign up right now. We got men's sizes, women's sizes, and kids' sizes. And uh, like I said, this shirt's only going to be available through MC Shop Tees. And if you don't sign up before the first next month, the first of June, you ain't going to fucking get it. Peace. (laughs) 